Welcome to the 12th edition of the 10 Point Podcast, a podcast in which we watch, discuss and rate movies that we have carefully selected along with our expert panel. And as he has proven to be an expert in such a situation, Chris, you're now our social media spokesperson. Um, Runs through all the social media channels for us. Well, you can visit our, us on our website, the 10pointpodcast.com. Uh, you can also listen to us on Spotify. Um, if you haven't followed us already, we have Facebook and Twitter. It's a uh, 10 Point Podcast on both of them. And uh, you'll find links to all of our previous episodes and our new episodes are up on Sunday. Have I forgotten really? anything? Uh, the email address. Email. Oh, damn it. Yes, I needed to send me that. 10pointpodcastoutlook.com. Uh, 10 10 right. I'll remember that. That's for all the, the private emails that we will write on the, read out on the podcast if we like them, but also... Or anybody who's got any sponsorship and wants to host us. <laughs> <laughs> Happily take any kind of sponsors, bribes, whatever. Address them CC Andrew, whoever it is that you address it to for the sponsorship ones. Uh, so, hands up, who watched Crank High Voltage this week? Aye. Yep. Uh, nope. Uh, so <laughs> I, I got half an hour in and then ended up watching something else, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, but carry on, guys. Tell us, Crank 2, is it better, is it worse than Crank number 1? Andy, go first. I like it. It's a bit more over the top and it's a bit like what I thought was missing from the first one. But there is some stupid bits in it, like proper, utterly stupid yeah. bits in it. <laughs> I have to agree. Like, it's nowhere near as good as Crank One. Like they hit lightning with that lightning in the bottle with Crank One. Yeah, Crank Two is just. What I did <sighs> enjoy about it is it's it's straight away fr- like you find out like you don't find this in films these days where like the first one ends and the second one just begins. Like there's no middle bit. There's no like explaining or going. This is what happened. It just goes straight into it and then yeah. the action straight away. I like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, what? the Godzilla sequence, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait a minute. You never told me about this. Hang I know, on. right? You didn't even get that far, but there's a Godzilla sequence in it. Oh. I was a period close to the edge. I was playing my phone, and I kind of looked up, and I was like, what the fuck am I watching? I was like, is this still crank? Yeah. And, like, they're, they're them two with their own masks on, pretending yeah, to be Godzilla. Yeah, Jason Statham with a Jason Statham mask on, pretending <laughs> to be a massive Godzilla monster. Well, having a fight at a power plant is mental. Okay, I'm definitely continuing this movie now. Like, I get, I got I think half an hour in, and I kind of gave up. Uh, Bai Ling's character just annoyed me to the point where I, oh, I couldn't yep. watch it anymore. And I felt like my personal opinion was they just took everything. Oh, everyone likes this—the swearing and the and the daftness and the craziness and the being a prick. Let's just turn it up to one million out of one hundred, right. and we'll do that for the entire movie. And I'm, this is just annoying me. This film. <laughs> oh, there's a Godzilla bit, and like. There's the bring every well. character back as well. Like I mean, every character back from the first one. It's like people I, you even I, I think are anything. dead, and it's impossible for them to be back alive. They're <laughs> in the film. So. You could have done without that, but I'm not going to say what it was. But that last part, they could have just done without that bit. Oh yeah, but like I, awful. Like, with, without ruining the ending, it's like so some people might not have watched it yet. But like they set it up for a third one where they don't need Jason Statham in. I like actually how they did it, but the last scene is a bit like. What the fuck? <laughs> that makes sense. So yeah, I've seen what you. I've seen what you mean with that bit. Yeah, and you'll see when you, you go and watch it. So I, I recommend it. Do you it's give it an unofficial, unofficial, unofficial ten point rating that won't go in the standings unofficially? I'll, get, I'll give it a crack. I'm going to give it a four. four. Mm, three. Three. So it does rank slightly mm. lower 
than the, yeah. than the what's it, a what's couple, the, couple of couple watch. You got to finish it off. It's like anything. You can't yeah. start a film and not watching the second. Yeah, one. I will. Continue. I ended up watching a different film instead. A film that I think starring might be the wrong word. Starred two people who were in the first Crank movie. Uh, I watched Fast and Furious Seven, which. Uh, Definitely has Jason Statham in it, obviously. Do either of you guys want to have a stab at who the other person who was in Crank that is in Fast and Furious 7 is? The Rock. The Rock, unfortunately, <laughs> was not uh, was not in the first Crank movie. Despite us uh, casting him in it. What about Chris? You got a guess? Hector. Exactly right, yes. Hector showed up. Being Hector as well, there was like, I think Vin Diesel's like, hello Hector sort of thing, and he's Vin Diesel kind of way, just randomly passing him in a scene. I think he might get punched in the face by Michelle Rodriguez, if not someone <laughs> roughly around the time gets punched in the face. But yeah, I was like, hey, it's Hector. And then it's like, on to the next scene, and we carry on with what's happening. <laughs> so yeah, he was in Fast and Furious 7 as well. Which... Do you think of everybody else? I don't know if Fast and Furious are a guilty pleasure of mine or not. Like, I get some pleasure out of it, but it's, I don't know, I, I know they're not that great, and I, I kind of swither on whether they're good or bad, but I'm working my way through I know I'm, like, five years behind in terms of Fast and Furious movies, but I've never seen number seven before. Uh, not enough rock in it, is my opinion. Every time the rock's in it, it gets better uh, than when he's not in it. Um, but I think my rating is something like, I don't know, maybe a, a four or a five as well, somewhere down there for Fast and Furious 7. But that's what I watched instead of Crank. Not, not necessarily instead of Crank, but I just watched that this week as well. So maybe I was stay-thumbed out. Uh, what else has everyone else been watching in when we're watching anything else, movie, TV-wise, that they want to discuss, recommend it, or otherwise? Uh, I watched Sonic today. The I Sonic Hedgehog movie. Uh, I can dump out Jim Carrey. Ah, he's the best and worst thing about that film. Yeah, I, I, he's like completely over the top, but he also nails Dr. Robotnik kind of thing. Uh, yep. It's... It's a hard one, that one. Apart from that, the, the um, thing of being of Sonic was good. Yeah. Like, he looks a lot better than what he was going to look like. <laughs> Potentially looking like in the initial <laughs> trailers, yeah. <laughs> He's going to look like Sonic. Yeah, big show show. That's, that's, that's a, a recommendation. <laughs> that's a recommendation, is it? The big yep. show show. The big show show. <laughs> right. No, there's not enough wrestlers on this podcast already this week that will recommend the big show show. Oh, well. in the last episode, Mark Henry, McFoley, and um, Rikishi turn up and then sing the Backstreet Boys. It is amazing. Right, that'll so, surely draw the crowds to watch so, it. Yeah, I, I recommend Rikishi the big died. Show show. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did die. Yeah. Definitely on the TV show. There we go. Uh... So that's, that's my recommendations. <laughs> Actually, and I'm uh, really I'm going to go out there with a really bizarre recommendation, and I'm watching The Mandalorian, which is amazing. So that's my I've been watching that this week. We've got one episode to go. It's not on Disney Plus in the UK yet. All you sneaky Americans are getting to see it first. So uh, not really yeah, sneaky. But... That's just <laughs> Disney marketing right there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I've got that one more to go. So I'm hyped. I think I think I get it tomorrow. But oh, if I wait, if I wait any longer than that, I'll be oh I don't know what I'm going to do. But that's it. There's some extra recommendations, and since we don't have much else other to do than watch things at the moment, that's what we've all been watching. Uh, so, guys, are you ready for pain? Are you ready for suffering? Aye. <laughs> yep. In I was case... thinking there's um, probably a reason why we're doing a lot more talking before we've done this, but I'll get to it later on. Okay. Well, we'll get to The Running Man. Shh. It's showtime. In the year 2017, an innocent man accused of a crime has a choice. Hard time 
or prime time. Sensational. Perfect contestant. I want him. He must pay or play the running man. On your mark! I'll be back. Go! The highest rated TV show in history. Because they want us to stay. It's a game between life and death. Give you a lift. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the running man. is his life. How about the life? The Running Man. Live from the ICS studios in Los Angeles, I'm the producer of the Ten Point Podcast and everyone's favourite showman. My name is Bruce. On the show this week, we have some very special guest podcasters. Firstly, it's the love of my life, my number one fan. I want a kiss, but remember, no tongues. It's Chris. You all right? <laughs> and secondly, <laughs> here he is, ready to pay the price for our home audience. In person, the baker of Butchersfield, it's Andy. Yay, I got a good one. <laughs> uh, I just, I thought it was, every time they called him the butcher of Bakersfield in the <laughs> film, I kept thinking it'd be funnier if he was the baker of Butchersfield. I thought you were going to go for the Jesus line, and he's like, no, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had loads because there's so many introductions in this film. Uh, at different times I swapped them in and out. Uh, so yeah, that's what we ended up with. So then, without any further ado, it's time to start running through the 10 points of discussion and rate this movie out of 10 points. Starting with point number one. What is the point? The point today is the 1987 action sci-fi thriller The Running Man in which a framed serviceman is forced to take part in a violent TV game show against his will. To me, that's the synopsis premise of the movie. Uh, I couldn't really work out why he was, but that's what I came up with in terms of synopsis. How does that suit you guys? Yeah. How do you mean, like, can I figure out why he's in the the prison? Yeah, he... Like it refused orders, and then all of a sudden he's like forced to do this TV show. And I'm, the whole time I'm thinking, why is this happening? Like in terms of writing a synopsis, he's framed for killing a bunch of people because he didn't want to do it, and then the whole the movie just spirals out of control. It does escalate there. very quickly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and also, serviceman is he army? Is he police? I couldn't quite work out what his role was. Is he some sort of future thing like that doesn't exist? Private military kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I went with serviceman, I thought that all-encompassing. The Running Man, based on a novel by Richard Bachman. That name ring any bells, guys? No. Right, okay, Richard Richard Bachman, he is responsible for The Shawshank Redemption, It, The Shining, The Green Mile, Stand By Me, Carrie, Misery, Pet Cemetery, The Mist, and a million other things. Because... Because Stephen King. Yeah, Richard Bachman is a pseudonym of Stephen King. Ah, uh, makes sense. <laughs> uh, and apparently, some of the producers of the film, when they picked up on the script and the idea, didn't know it was actually a Stephen King novel when they picked up on it. Uh, and then upon starting it, found out that Richard Bachman was actually Stephen King. Why are they keep um, doing that? He's sounded the same as well. 
just call yourself your name, you twat. I thought why he'd want to hide himself from like this. Like, it, it's not a bad premise for a book or whatever. It's just why would you want to have your different name? Or maybe you didn't want to. Maybe it's not a horror book because he wrote a lot of horrors. Maybe he didn't want to put like Stephen King horror novelist on the front of it. If you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, uh, a horror film, though. Oh no! Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He wrote that one as well. But I think he was big enough by that point to be uh, involved in that. However, the screenplay was written by Stephen E. D'Souza, who has got a a belter of a writing credits to his name here. Listen to these. 48 Hours, Commando, Die Hard 1 and 2, The Flintstones Movie, uh, Beverly yeah, Hills Cop 3, Street Fighter, oh, Judge, Judge Dredd, and the second Tomb Raider movie, The Cradle of Filth, or whatever it's called, Cradle of Life, I think <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, quite a mixture of ups and downs and kids' movies and comedies and everything uh, for Mr. D'Souza. Uh, there. Not a bad mix, though. There's some good Abs- films in there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure Andy will say Street Fighter's probably the best of them. Is that right? Aye. <laughs> well, that will be on the podcast at some stage. <laughs> right, okay, we've got Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter at some point coming when we get into the, the, the video game section yep. of the podcast. Uh, where we'll go to the director, director of the film, Paul Michael Glazer, most famous for being Starsky in Starsky and Hutch, uh, the original TV series. This was the first feature he ever directed. Uh, the most notable other film I could find that he directed was Kazam, the the genie film where Shaq plays ah, the genie. That's a film. <laughs> uh, he's directed yeah. a whole bunch of TV episodes of different TV series since, usually kind of police procedural ones. But uh, but Paul Michael Glazer took over uh, directing this uh, The Running Man eight days into production after the previous director, Andrew Davis, had put the film $8 million over budget and four days behind schedule in a week. Jesus. <laughs> <So, laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's he got bent. That's a lot of broken hookers. These are the opinions of an- Andrew only, uh, not the rest of the <laughs> podcast. Uh, but yeah, so it's, uh, not, not a, a strong start by Mr. Davis, but yeah, Paul Michael in dropped into the middle of it. Uh, but... He was given an Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle to work with, which is not too bad. Uh, star of the show, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm not going to run you through his back catalogue because we all know who he are. We know he's blockbuster, superstar, big money action man. So I've got another patented 10-point movie uh-huh. uh, game show here for you since we've got a, a, a movie about a game show. I thought I'd make my own one. In this one, I'm going to give you seven different films. We're going to start with Andy and then Chris and Andy and then Chris. And then each of you, in turn, have to tell me how much profit on investment these oh. films make? So it's not the budget, it's not the worldwide gross, it's the difference is what I'm looking for here. Closest, uh, so I want you to give me to the closest million and the closest to the right number wins a point. So how many million in profit was Conan the Barbarian? Andy, you're first. Uh, profit, <laughs> I'm going to go for 10 million. 10 million is Andy's answer. Chris, what is your answer? I was going to say t- mm, 25. 25, 25 is nearer because it's $49 million in profit, Conan the Barbarian was. Second one, start with, start with Chris. The Terminator, the first Terminator movie. How much profit in millions of dollars did that make? Mm, I'm going to say at least 60 million. At least 60. Andy, your response. Mm. 70 70 70 is within 1 million of the profit 71 
Terminator made 78 million on a budget of 7.5 million, <laughs> which is not bad. Yeah. Uh, so back with Andy to receive first. Twins is your movie, Andy. How much profit did the movie Twins with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger make? Uh, that's going to be a cheap film, isn't it? So how much would that have made? I'm going to say $2 million. Two million profit, right? Chris, your response. I'm gonna say two million and a pound. Right. We'll round it up to three million just for ease. <laughs> Chris is the first one to come with the, the tactic I thought you would both take from the get-go. <laughs> uh, Chris is closer. Uh, but Andy, you're exactly two hundred million dollars out, as in twins on a pro- of an investment of fifteen million made two hundred and seventeen million. What? Jesus! <laughs> yes. I thought it was gonna be like a low budget kind of low thing rewarding yeah, that one. Twice the budget of the Terminator, but it returned three times oh. the profit of the Terminator. What? Uh, Chris, you are receiving first. You're up one is Terminator Two. Uh, I would say at least three hundred million for that bad boy. Three hundred million for Chris. A profit. Yeah. yeah, his guesses. Still making profit. What did he say? 300? 300. 301 yeah. million profit. 301. <laughs> Andy using the now patented 10 point podcast technique. Andy is closer. The profit on Terminator what? 2 102 mil, uh, 102 of a budget for returns of 521 million for 419 <laughs> profit. <laughs> And you can mark by 300 million. <laughs> Quite a big movie that one was, you may have noticed. Uh, is it back to Chris now? Andy, Chris, Andy, Chris. No, it's Andy first. Junior, that movie where Arnold Schwarzenegger gets pregnant. <laughs> I got all the really rubbishy ones where I can't work out. I'm going to guess Terminator 3 for my next one. Uh, I'm going to say 48 million. Ooh, right, 48 million. Chris, where oh, you go? That's a close one. I'm going to say 55 million. 55? You didn't go the old one-up technique. No, uh, either way, it didn't cost you because Andy's spot on with 48 million. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> 60 million of a budget for 108 returned with Junior. Uh, so Andy now in the lead. Chris, you're up first. Batman and Robin. How much profit? Oh my Batman God. I cannot have made profit. 100 pounds? Shit. <laughs> Chris Jeffy's zero millions. Andy, where do you go on on a hundred pounds? Oh, one million. Oh, Andy, this one. Andy is closer, but is still one hundred and twelve million out as it made a profit of hundred and thirteen million. Budget of one twenty five, gross of two hundred and thirty eight million, Batman and Robin did. Jesus. Uh, which means that Andy wins. So this is yeah. the last one is purely for uh, I don't know rounding out the scores. So we'll go Andy first. Terminator Three. How much profit did it make? That's got to make some decent money. Uh, I'm going to say three hundred million. Go with it. The last one. Three hundred. Chris, are you going higher or lower I'll... than three hundred? Essentially, at this point. I'll go lower. Two hundred million. 200. Chris is closer because it was 233. Ah. Uh, so, a, a kind of a late uh, consolation point for Chris. Andy wins. taking a Batman one a bit Four seriously. Three. Essentially, Andy should have got about five bonus points for getting Junior spot on with I know, 48 million. I, feel that. I don't know where that, we plucked that one from. Also, quite a large amount of like money for Twins. Twins' profit of 202 million out of nowhere. That. Like, I don't know how it made so much money. And then Junior was 48. They're the two non-action films I threw in there. 
still profitable. So there you go. Shows that Arnold Schwarzenegger in his big run of kind of 80s through 90s always makes money. The horrendous Batman and Robin stole 100 million um, profit on ticket sales. Uh, so congratulations, Andrew. Uh, you win the, the quiz. Yeah, you get I'm... you get nothing as reward other than I think your undefeated streak in the template podcast games. I think. Yeah. Um, oh, I did believe... I not win one? I think Aww. you both won last time. You tied oh, you do, yeah. every question, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I think that's how we stand. But speaking of budget, that brings us on to the budget for the Running Man. Uh, this is a bit funny because my sources were unable to give me all the information I needed. The budget for the film, $27 million. So that's less than some of the comedy films he made. Um, but the worldwide gross allegedly is $38 million on the the source that I got my money stats from. But the US gross was also $38 million, So that does that. It was released in cinemas around the world. The UK release was actually over, no, just under a year after the American release was. Um so it did come out in cinemas, but it must have made at least a dollar's worth of gross. So I don't actually have the proper numbers for this, but it made a profit in the US. So I'm assuming it made some money elsewhere as well. Uh, Eight million of which was only on the opening weekend in America. Speaking of its release date, it was released the 13th of November 1987. It was moved back four months from its original release date. I don't know if anything to do with the production difficulties it had at the beginning, but also to avoid Predator that was going to be coming out uh, a month prior. Uh, had they left it. So they wanted to avoid the other Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that was released around that time. So they pushed The Running Man back. With it being November 1987, it qualifies for the 1988 award season. Um, 1988 award season did not involve the MTV Movie Awards no. as they did not start until 1992. So The Running Man was not nominated at the MTV Movie Awards and we cannot compare and contrast with the Oscars. Running Man was not nominated at the Oscars either in 1988, uh, a year which saw Best Picture taken home by The Last Emperor, beating out Broadcast News, Fatal Attraction, Hope and Glory, and Moonstruck. I have not seen any of those films. Not exactly a banner year for the Academy Awards. Uh, I think I've only seen the Fatal Attraction out of those. Um, Brings us on to the Razzies. A similar sort of story with the Razzies. The Razzies 1988, which I was surprised to learn actually were around at that time. 1981 was the first Razzies. So we do have a bit of uh, information in the back catalogue for the Razzies going forward. Worst picture of the year was Leonard Part 6, which seems to have been a Bill Cosby kind of written and acting in movie that was the worst picture, beating out movies such as Ishtar, Tough Guys Don't Dance, Who's That Girl, and Jaws the Revenge. Which, oh, I've, I've seen that, that was a great movie. <laughs> right. uh, I also was able to notice that uh, a loser for Best Supporting Actor in the Razzies that year was Bruce the Shark from Jaws the Revenge. Uh, <laughs> he didn't win Worst Supporting, but he was nominated. Uh, the Running Man only won one award that I could find, and that was for Richard Dawson, who is a Killian in the movie, won Best Supporting Actor at the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy and Horror Films in 1988. <laughs> it's the only award I could find that The Running Man actually won that year. So, underappreciated, I feel, in its time, The Running Man. Mm, okay. <laughs> Picks a lot of point number two, The Talking Points. Uh, it is my pick, so I'm the one running through this. The Running Man is, I say, 1987-88 sort of time, so I definitely didn't see it when I was first growing up. Uh, I saw it, I think, for the first time within the last five years. Do you guys have any of a, a longer history with The Running Man, or have you either of you never seen it before? Oh, no, this was like Channel 4 time for me when I was younger. I do remember. Oh, yeah, just, seen it when, when you were younger, I think you just sat with Channel 4 on. I think every movie you've <laughs> ever mentioned, you've mentioned that you watched on Channel 4 at once. <laughs> <laughs> you used to always put yeah. the, the films on. It's always Channel 4. Yeah. 
I used, I remember watching it on TV as well years ago. Like I, I don't know, I was like under fifteen. Yeah. So. And, I, and and then then it was like probably a few years ago I'd watched this on uh, when it got Blu-ray release. No, I, I haven't seen it since. Probably I was a kid. Yeah, definitely when I was young, but then recently, and then like yesterday. <laughs> yesterday, yes. Uh, yeah, so a bit of a mixed history with The Running Man, but I thought it was something I thought we needed to talk about because we've not had uh, any 80s action. Uh, so let's lead on with talking points. Opening credits, Andy, how were they for you? Nice right. and short, nice and snippy. These annoyed me, this one. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's actually got quite a good opening. Like, you kind of like you're getting some backstory and you're getting like well, some I like to call the Streets of Rage opening. That's what I, I refer yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's like. The, scroll visually it's nice my issue with it is it's exactly 10 minutes until the last knobhead's name stops coming up on screen (laughs) right okay (laughs) right now normally it doesn't really annoy you but when the stuff that's actually on screen is pretty good and you're like oh what's 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 arnie doing here what's this guy doing over here but it's like i don't need to see the name like taking up half the screen they were huge like (laughs) Like, who needs to see, like, Yafet Koto right along the screen? Just, like, just a tiny little bit at the bottom. <laughs> like, How would you remember that name? Ah, uh, because I met him once. Name dropped. That's quite a fun name to say <laughs> as well. Yeah. I spent, I spent a day with him and I sat, and, I sat and had a meal on a table with him as well. So that's why I remember that name. <laughs> but, yeah, it's way too long. Uh, Ten minutes. The last name stopped coming up on screen. Uh, that's very, very long. But then, that could be the you... longest one we've done so far. But yeah, but on the other hand, the film's at least happening. Like it, I oh, yeah. feel like, and I could so, have, I could have allowed it, but the names were too big. They were huge. Would you? So, given the choice, would you have five minutes of credits where it's so shorter, but you don't see any of the film, or ten minutes where the film's happening, but the names are still there? What would you rather have? Well, it depends what the type of opening it was. <laughs> Say it's a Tank Girl animated open the last five minutes. Oh yeah, that all day long. <laughs> Whereas so this sh- one had interesting stuff, but I was getting distracted by the fucking names coming up. <laughs> so ten minutes of nice, nice visual stuff they're doing ruined on me because I was just getting annoyed by going. Oh my god, there's another name, and then it's like, <laughs> Los Angeles. I was like, all right, cool, that's it ended. Then there's another name. It's like, oh god, and it's right. like Prison Yard. It's like, I oh love. my god, stop! <laughs> I love that about today's films. You don't get that anymore. Yeah, you just go straight into it. unless it's a James Bond film. He always does that little ah, of course, musical yeah. number, but. You hardly get that in any films anymore, like the names popping up. It always does it at the end. You get films yeah. nowadays that don't even tell you the name of the film at the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I, could, I completely forgot about that. You just like, watch the film, like, I thought... And then <laughs> Avengers actually pops up at the end. Avengers Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as soon as the credits start, like, stop doing this thing. But the problem is we're going to be reviewing a lot of old films. I'm going to moan about them until I find ones I like. <laughs> until you, you can get a, a two thumbs up when someone does a short credit. Yeah, so while Andy was uh, shouting at his television at text, uh, I was watching what was happening in the background. So we start off in a helicopter in the film. And immediately my first thing is someone shouting Richards. And we learn out that he's called Ben Richards. Arnold Schwarzenegger sounds like no Ben Richards I would ever come across in my daily life. Why does Arnold Schwarzenegger always get cast as Americans in things when he's quite clearly not an American guy? Who decided this was a thing that was going to happen? I don't know, but it's like, you're right, because it's like, every other film is like Commando, Predator, he's always like a US, like, highly decorated Marine. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure, like, to join the Marine Corps and the Navy SEALs and all that stuff, you have to actually be a fully bloodied American. 
and a full-blooded American wouldn't have uh, whatever Austrian, Austrian accent. Austrian. Very, very thick Austrian accent. Yeah. So quite clearly, this guy does not come from America and should not have these like stars and stripes credentials that Americans would have. So already right. off to a bad start. The other, um, my my the, the answer I was expecting it was if we were going to get into debate was that it's 2017. It's way in the future. It's maybe a kind of multinational sort of thing that he's working for. As we still don't really know what strictly is the service that he is working for. Uh, but then, like I say, his name is Ben Richards. So it's still like, okay, you are an, an English speaker, whether it's with an English surname, as it were. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't quite work. And this is when he essentially was it refuses to shoot on a bunch of people who just want food. I'm not sure why he was given the instruction to break up the riots of hungry people. That's all they wanted was some food. Uh, but he quite rightly takes a stance against, I'm not going to massacre all these people. And then they end up ditching him and massacring them anyway, seems to be, and, and pinning yeah. it on him seems to be the premise, which lands him in a labour camp. And we start off with him and who we learn to be his two buddies uh, hatching a plan to break out of the labour camp. And I'm about four four lines into my notes on the movie here, and I've just got written down, Arnie's acting is horrendous. Uh, <laughs> he definitely, this is not his best film. Absolutely not his best film. In fact, it might be some of the worst stuff I've ever seen him do. He's in a lot of films across his, what, 30-year career, 50-year career, whatever he's got nowadays, but... He's pretty damn bad, and I thought, okay, maybe he might get better. I don't think he does. I think he just has less lines <laughs> as the film goes on, so therefore it doesn't show up quite as well. Uh, but yeah, I think already I'm like, oh god, yeah, this is the very 80s. This is clearly, we've got a star, we're just going to put him into this film. This must be one of his earlier films. Definitely. Is this, yeah, I can't remember if this is before or after Terminator. It'll oh, be before. I've got it yeah, as after Terminator. Yeah, Terminator 2 is 92. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, in Predator before this, so uh, like, and even yeah. Predator, he seems okay in that. I don't know how his acting is so much worse in this than he was in Predator. Uh, maybe it's just designed to fit him better, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then, as to say, that they have their their botched plan to try and run out uh, through this prison camp, which has a, a strange perimeter fence that's uh, that they can uh, they can hack into essentially by using the the computer system and explosive collars. It seems to be a massive trend in movies. Why do people always go to explosive collars? Why is that a go-to thing for sci-fi movies? Well, because if you put like an explosive ankle bracelet, then you can still carry on with one leg, but you can't carry on without a head. <laughs> exactly. Uh, as, uh, as, we see, found out. as we see with a guy who, I think this happens in every film with an explosive yeah. collar, decides, yep. nah, fuck it, I'm just going to go for it. What's the worst that's going to happen? <laughs> and then his head just gets zapped off, which I thought was one of the best special effects in the film, I think, was the fact that the guy... Mm. Continued to keep running headless for about two or three steps. Uh, I quite I quite enjoyed well, like, that. But yeah, like, like how bad it couldn't have been that bad. Like to make the guy go, nah, oh, nah, nah, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Oh, he's been getting his food. He's been, you know, okay. The, the work looks a bit hard. I wouldn't like doing that. But I'm still not going to just run past and get my head blown off. <laughs> mm. This is my first gripe. But like, how many times did that guy enter the password incorrectly? The same five digits. He kept like just typing the same five digits over and over again in the same order, and it kept coming up wrong. It's because Fucking the other guy on the other side was putting the code in as well. So he was like he reactivating was still... it. Oh, was that it? Yeah. That's why when oh. he put the code in the last time, the guy was like dead or something like that. I can't remember what actually happened to that dude. But it seemed like they were having a computer keyboard war off. Ah. On who could put the code in faster. 
because it's the late 80s, so technology is very important, uh, which we see later on. Uh, as Arnie and his buddies escape, uh, we cut to a lovely painted 2017 Los Angeles skyline. I thought it was a lovely visual, uh, what they had. And they kept coming back to that exact same shot, which you could clearly see was just a painting that they'd done with a TV screen <laughs> superimposed over it when they needed it to be there. And we cut to the ICS Studios building, where we get a fantastic intro to our main villain, uh, villain? villain uh, Mr. Killian. Uh, I couldn't catch his first name, but is it Damon Killian? Damon Killian, yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's a bit of a clumsy name to try and say. It wasn't didn't roll off the tongue, so I've kind of stuck with Killian for the most part. Killian just sounds like a badass, like bad yeah. guy. Yeah, oh, I love the name Killian. Even it's, uh, exactly. it's not like a wrestler called Killian as well. There is, yeah. It's just a, just a great right. name. Yeah. Uh, so Mr. Killian, and we get an, a fantastic intro to him being a total dick when he just fires a janitor <laughs> for essentially mopping the floor when he was walking through. Like He walked right at the poor guy's mopping bucket, and it was like his fault that he walked into it and then fires him, uh, which I thought, straight away, you know, all right, okay, here is our bad guy. Um, Killian, played by Richard Dawson, uh, do you know what he's most famous for? Is nah. he like an actual game show host? He is. He spent nine years being the host of Family Feud uh, in America. Uh, Family Fortunes to us uh, UK viewers. Yeah. Uh, and he's, I know Richard Dawson mainly from when I'm bored, when I'm sad, going on YouTube and typing in Family Fortunes, bad answers or funny <laughs> answers. <laughs> it's usually half Richard Dawson, half Steve Harvey uh, reacting to these daft answers that people uh, give out. So, uh, yeah, getting an actual world, or an actual national treasure uh, TV game show host to be essentially the game show host in the film I thought was a, a, a good uh, casting and I think he did very well I very much enjoyed uh, Killian throughout he was one of the stars of the show for me uh, I think I was but... mixing Running Man with a little bit of Total Recall do you know the, is it the bad guy in that? Uh, he's also in Robocop I can't remember his name I thought he was in this as well right, I, th- I forgot it was Richard Dawson it's very much this uh, late 80s, early 90s is the high-tech kind of action movie sort of period mm-hmm. where, like I say, technology had been invented, essentially. So everything had to be high-tech this, high-tech that, high-tech this. So the movies do run together a little bit in your mind. Uh, speaking of movies run together, straight away we meet Russell from Wayne's World. Uh, the actor Kurt Fuller plays the director, who plays a very similar sort of kind of weedy, kind of not-that-bad-not-that-good kind of studio executive in every film he's ever in. He always yeah, used to, he's in... Uh, no holds barred as well. That's he's the played, one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, he's Russell from Wayne's World because uh, Wayne's World is my absolute favourite movie. Uh, so I got a good a pop out of me when I saw Russell appear on my screen. <laughs> and then we cut to uh, what was Mr. Ben Richards' brother's apartment, uh, but is now Amber's apartment. And we quickly find out that much like Mr. Damon Kelly and himself, the people who made this movie casted on looks and not on acting ability, <laughs> as we find out that the lead actress, Miss Maria Conchita Alonso, is just as bad as Arnie is at this stage of her career. And we get a bad acting off between the two of them in her apartment. Um, just to make things bad, we then also get this interspersed with the outright unstoppable charisma of Jesse Ventura uh, on the television screen in her apartment. You were loving this uh, guy, weren't you? Showing everybody up. It's just, uh, Jesse Ventura is an absolute just a legend. He, I've stolen so many quips and funny lines off of him in my life that I use against people that uh, I do love Jesse. And again, he was also in Predator with Arnie uh, this year as well. Yep. So uh, lots of doubling up on the people here. Uh, at this point... seen him with hair. Yeah, is, yeah. He's either he had like a, a bandana or a bald head prior to this, but it was a pretty half decent wig, I'd say. It didn't look too bad. 
Uh, Arnold then proceeds to hack uh, the multi-pass of, uh, of the main <laughs> star, Amber, here, with the greatest of ease using a very old television and a keyboard, uh, just by pressing about half a dozen buttons, and he managed to hack right into her pass. So Arnie follows this up by having superhuman strength as well, by like lifting the weight bench out of the ground. So I found out that he has the highest tech knowledge possible and the, probably the most strength possible. So already, Mr. Ben Richards is an unstoppable machine that is definitely going to win in the end, introduced in this scene here. Uh, what a sensational hero we have on our hands for the running back. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, could just lift a weight belt out of the floor like that. Because he was like world's strongest, not world's strongest man, he was known for his strength. Yeah, he was like, bodybuilder. Yeah, body put it to the test. Yeah, yeah. He did, yeah. Uh, so they take the multi-pass and they travel to the airport and a pretty crafty plan they had to <laughs> no. get into the airport with the one no. pass. <laughs> <laughs> this could be the worst plan in history. <laughs> right? Like, he's a massive unit. He's huge. <laughs> And his entire plan relies on him holding her neck and going, I'm going to snap it if you'd say anything. Like, if that's your plan, you're screwed. And you've got to get past even airport security back then. I know it would have been lax, but still, it's a shit plan. The plan How moronic were they, though? I was just like, the thing, oh, no, is he making a fuss? Okay, on you three, you go. Oh, yeah, I can't be arsed waiting for your ticket. Just go through. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which, it seems to have been the plan. Like, unless he was going to dig around in a purse for ages and then present the same pass. That's what I thought was coming. I but genuinely thought that's what was coming. It would scan, though, would it? Because it had just been scanned. Like, I, 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 like, we are obviously beyond 2017. By this point, they've invented scanners <laughs> that know if something's already been scanned. So were they just hoping, oh, if we do this and do that, if I do this and do that, then, oh, they'll definitely just let us in without even bothering checking. Uh, but airport security are quickly on them in their defence uh, after this after uh, Amber decides to just shout out that the most wanted man in the country is with her and they use a sensational net gun to capture Arnie <laughs> and like that, that was that was the other bit that's his plan, I know what I'm going to do I'm going to run straight down a runway <laughs> yeah. I'll run into the open that yeah. way they won't catch me <laughs> if, if Call of Duty Modern Warfare has taught me anything, don't <laughs> run out in the open stick to the buildings yeah. don't run down the middle of the runway, you're going to die cover is crucial at all times <laughs> but that, that, yeah. that gun is awesome though, I want one of yeah, them I want it was as soon as the guy pulled out I was like, that's definitely a net gun <laughs> like, <laughs> <got him." laughs> not, not to ruin one of Chris's goose but it's, it involves a scene, did you see that like massive scar he had in his elbow from that though? yeah, yeah, I noticed that like, as he came out of the shower as well, he had a massive Bruise right along his arm. Yeah, so it was obviously they filmed that scene, and it's just like they've like he actually must have fell Fucked over. Him up. Like, <laughs> yeah, Donny's Donny's elbow in. Brilliant. I hadn't noticed that one. I didn't have it. Uh, I read afterwards. Yeah. I'll, I'll bring up some uh, similar goofs when we get to the goof section if Chris hasn't spotted them as well. Uh, the next scene I've titled "Running Man or Your Buddies Get It." Uh, Arnie is forced into being in the the Running Man, otherwise we'll kill your pals if you don't do it, and. He gets the most brutal, brutal medical inspection in history, I think, at this point. Uh, yep. <laughs> they essentially beat him up and shove things in him for a couple of minutes that are not... Like, there's a flat-out needle straight into his leg, I think, at one point in it, that was just totally unnecessary and made me crawl and make someone noise to what Chris just made. He heard, yeah. like, rattling against his teeth as at least a skin crawl. It was horrible. <laughs> but also, yeah. like, were they his friends? Because, like, they didn't want to even help him. Like, they just basically left him to the wolves. 
when did he split up with them? Yeah, because well, like, when they got the, the colors off and they were like, oh, yeah, yeah. you can't be part of us because you're the butcher of blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, and then they just left them to it. It's like, right, on you go. And then he came up with a stupid plan to go to the airport and get out of the country. <laughs> so why did, like, there was no attachment to those two people. Like, is the biggest gripe I've got with that entire thing. He was just in prison with them. Like, it yeah. didn't seem like they were part of his unit or whatever. They were just other criminals who may have been actual criminals. How did they even find them? Because they went their separate ways. Oh, yeah, but no, they wanted to be found. That was this was their plan. Remember, oh, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, carry on. Uh, <laughs> and then we on to some fake news where we get the uh, the, the TV station making up what uh, Arnie did and why he should be hunted down like a dog, and. Uh, we get some adverts for other things on the TV station, including Climbing for Dollars. Is it worth a watch, guys? Would you watch Climbing watch for Dollars? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not a game like that already. And, like, it was on ITV. <laughs> they got chased by dogs. <laughs> I got the hunted. I saw it. <laughs> the hunted. Right. Okay, so already invented. Uh, count that. Uh, and then we have Ken Lerner shows up. Uh, his role in the film was agent. He was the guy who kind of talks uh, Arnie through his rights and all as he's yeah. walking onto the stage, essentially. And I thought... I recognise this guy. I've looked up Ken Lerner. I've definitely seen him in something. Apparently, I've seen him in absolutely everything. He has yeah. been in everything. But his uh, filmography back catalogue reads as follows, essentially. Rabbi, doctor, judge, rabbi, doctor, judge, repeat, 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 repeat. He's either a <laughs> rabbi, a doctor, or a judge in absolutely everything he's in. With the exception of uh, The Running Man here, where he plays uh, a backstage TV agent sort of thing. But yeah, so apparently he's in every show I've ever watched in history, is what I know Mr. Ken Lerner from. And then we get the start of the show. The Running Man begins, Arnie is the contestant. And we cut to the, the underground people, the poor people, if you want to call them, outside gambling on a giant chalkboard similar to what we saw in the cabin in the woods which confused me the betting markets that they were betting on here <laughs> there were four categories which were first stock first blood first death and final stock are the four different categories that they were betting on i could be wrong but i think the first the winner of the first three is all sub zero the first chaser guy stalker that we find he was the first stalker he drew first blood and he also died first and i'm not really sure why they have all these different betting things because we find out later on that the sub-zero dies to a stunned silence the studio audience can't believe it and all this sort of stuff and someone even comments a champion was killed well it was going to happen eventually yeah so that means every single time they do a tv show the person gets killed by the first stalker and it's game over I don't know if it's the first person, yeah. Or they escape the stalker. They just get past him. Without actually killing him. Yeah. Because in every single scene, I felt like it was life or death. Like, there wasn't like, oh, he's got to run and get to the goal, or he needs to run up the pole, and it always seemed to be Mm. 1v1, who wins. Yeah. See, this confused me. I didn't, obviously, it made sense later on, how they had winners. Because that means that somebody would have to die, and they're like, oh my god, uh, a stalker's actually dead. And I was like, no. How would you get winners if a stalker didn't die? Yeah, see, I've always seen it as like, it's like they're running through it. So it's kind of like gladiators. It's like the gauntlet where they have like this stalker and then that stalker does that area and that stalker does that area. But I think the problem with this film is it doesn't really show that because they keep dying in each area. 
Yeah, they keep killing yeah. them off. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well, I, was, I was worried about the how the betting markets work. Because because let's face it, Sub Zero can't really use his ice skates outside the ice rink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that's how that was always my kind of idea of this. This is how this game show works. So it's right. like they can there's an exit. They get past Sub Zero because they just go off the ice rink and then Sub Zero can't follow them. Because not at any point did Arnie ever look for the exit at any point. He was always no, like, no. I'm straight up murdering this fool every single <laughs> scene. <he was> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the, the start of The Running Man itself uh, is a, a very 80s leotard dance number. Uh, in the past, we've criticised films for having song and dance numbers that go on too long. How did the 80s leotard dance number This one lasted too long. Too yeah. long? Too long. Uh, yeah, it was... I know why I did it, because it was like, oh, it's a little pre-game show thing. But... Yeah. <sighs> They went on for ages, didn't they? They did. It was the reprise happening later on as well, where they're all back in the leotards again after having a costume change, just to just to pad out the show a bit more. It was like, okay, we've already seen five minutes of this earlier. Can we have something else? And, and I get it if you're actually watching this three-hour-long game show. That yeah, there's going to be some bits where like the contestants are just walking between zones or whatever if they do get that far, or being chased by motorcycles. Yeah, it's just yeah, they just the dancers <laughs> just don't need to be in the film. Yeah, exactly. Uh, at this point, we see the, the real skills of Mr. Killy and how great a hype man he is for a television show. And then, uh, I, I mentioned this earlier, we get the little back catalogue sort of history of why Ben Richards is such a wanted man, which has my my first major, I thought it was a goof, gripe, question, unanswerable of the film. How do they have footage of inside the helicopter from the night of the massacre, including <laughs> one shot from Arnold's, like, his own point of view? How does this exist? GoPros. <laughs> There's, we never see him with a GoPro though, unless it's on his yeah, lapel or it, something. It should like that. be on him then. We would see it. Yeah, they're like embedded chips. It's the it's the future, isn't it? It's 2017. See, I've got another gripe with this later on in the film <laughs> about the whole seeing things that they shouldn't be seeing. Yeah, there's it happened a few times. This was the main one for me. It's like how this was the start of the film. How was the yeah. start of this film on that TV show? There was no cam. He wasn't in the show at that point. Why were they filming? Or oh, it just it blew my mind. <laughs> uh, but then, so I went from that to the bit of the film that I would most want to take part in: flying down a little tube in the. Oh yeah, no, right. like, looks like the, It looks like the absolute best fun ever, except from. I would not trust that little net at the end <laughs> to catch me. And also, it totally defied physics, what it was doing when like, the little cart would fly out the end. It would just bounce off it. And you could quite see, <laughs> clearly see the like, chain the back of the cart thing to snap backwards rather than hitting the net. But totally, spending two minutes flying down that tube, sign me up right now. <laughs> uh, as mentioned earlier, the first stalker after Ben Richards is Sub-Zero. Who is called Sub Zero, Sub Zero, Sub Zero, Sub Zero, and then when they get introduced, it's Professor Sub Zero, is what they do, <laughs> which is only because the wrestler Pro- Professor Toru Tanaka plays the uh, Sub Zero, and that was his gimmick only. He was not actually a professor of anything, but they decided we'll add that in. So he's an ice hockey player called Professor Sub Zero, <laughs> which is just unnecessary nickname for no reason added onto already a nickname. Also, uh, Mortal Kombat reference way before his time. Yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, even a similar color scheme to uh, to Sub Zero. Uh, the Running Man home version that they were giving away as a prize. What does that consist of? <laughs> I don't know, but I want one. <laughs> I was trying to work this one out. It's like, yeah. what is this game? You just is it like Pluto? Maybe is what <laughs> I'm thinking. I don't like... know. I just I was thinking you just give it like 
you each pull a card and one of you is the stalker and one is not and you just got to go around killing each other. <laughs> <laughs> you just That's... take a card. Run, bitch. <laughs> You're a sub-zero. Go get ice skates <laughs> and an ice hockey stick. Oh, and then this is when I actually, in my notes, were on my rant about how the show actually works. Uh, they managed to eliminate Mr. Sub-Zero uh, quite easily. Uh, he is the first bad guy, so of course he was going to be defeated. So to take on the unbeatable Mr. Ben Richards and his crew, they send in a tag team of Buzzsaw and Dynamo. And yes, Dynamo, you are a star and I am clapping for you. Uh, what an introduction <laughs> Dynamo gets. Uh, the actor is actually a baritone like opera singer. So that was actually him doing the yeah. singing in his introduction. But yes, Dynamo, uh, what a guy. Uh, later on, we find out he is a rapist. But uh, at this point, Dynamo, top dog in my eyes. I want this guy to win. Uh, again, at this point, they capture Amber, and they work out that she's involved. Uh, she comes in acting up a storm, and they manage to print her a little running man leotard with her name on it and all that in a matter of minutes. Like She was someone who worked at the TV studios that someone caught her being mischievous, and then, say it's it's three-hour-long TV show. At most, it's about 20 minutes. They managed to find a kind of running man costume in her size and print her name on it and get her dressed up in it to send down into the to the, the course, as it were, to help out Arnie. I just thought it just it pushed the bounds of plausibility slightly. No, on me this, is, this is 2017. It's the future. <laughs> yes, you've said it already. Yes, I get it. It's, <laughs> it's the future of the past. <laughs> I've probably got loads of them lined up and they've just... I was zapped on like yeah, like laser, laser etching. That that's a yeah. thing. Yeah, there you go. On the other hand, why also did they have to put her name on it? Like, was it really necessary? Yeah, so you know who she is. Well, later on, we find the the, the former champions that were. They just had little dog tags on. They didn't have costumes. Well, that's a different season. Season upgrades. <laughs> they didn't always wear the same jumpsuits in Crystal Maze, did they? Uh, good point. Richard O'Brien. Where was he? Should have Richard O'Brien in this. What a show that was, by the way. Carry on. Uh, <laughs> We then get my second thing I love about Dynamo, his little car that he drives around in with his head <laughs> the top. <laughs> it's like a mini DeLorean <laughs> with his head popping out the top. Um, it's like, I don't understand the point. It seems really impractical because all they really had to do was just go into a building and he's not getting in there. Oh yeah, just okay. zigzag and he can't turn. That's what I've got. They sent the two of them in as a tag team to take out this tough people they can't kill. So Dynamo just hops his wee car and fucks off while Buzzsaw gets killed over another place. It's like, what what a team they were. <laughs> and also, uh, talking of Call of Duty Modern Warfare, you know the best weapon is a car, Andy. So, oh, yeah. It, it is, is, but not, not in a building. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> this is when... Uh, Buzzsaw manages, to, however, to take down uh, one of uh, Mr. Richard's team. And we get, I think, possibly the line of the film where... Uh, what's his pal's name? It dies? I can't remember. Uh, not Vice, uh, the other one. The one who gets killed by Buzzsaw. I've forgotten his character name. Yeah, cool. Uh, there we go. Yes, Andy's pal says, I don't want to be the only asshole in heaven, he says, <laughs> uh, urging Ben Richards <laughs> to, uh, to win in the end. Uh, after dispatching with Buzzsaw and Dynamo having fucked off, we need another stalker. We get Fireball, uh, the legendary Jim Brown, uh, NFL running back of the 70s. That's who he is. An absolute genuine NFL, American football, Hall of Fame star, best there ever was at one stage, Jim Brown right. uh, in this film, with a comically hilarious jetpack to fly around with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need even a, fl- a flamethrower. It's not a flamethrower. It's more of a smoke-like thrower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, quite an interesting. Fireball seems to have been, like, he's kind of top dog. I think he, since uh, Jesse Ventura has seemed to have retired, so Fireball is, like, the be-all, end-all. He's the top dog with, like, the worst set of, kind of skills uh, <laughs> added to the game. Uh, and then, uh, as mentioned, we find the former heroes, the former winners who hadn't actually won, uh, the ICS people have just decided to leave their dead bodies lying in the, the cellar of this yes. building so someone can find them. Yeah, the, a terrible <laughs> plan. Uh, oh, yeah. We'll uh, pretend these people won a couple of seasons of this, so we'll just leave their dead bodies in a locker room somewhere. That, that, that'll be fine. No one will ever find With them. With their dog tags. So people, so people can identify them. Don't need dental records. They've actually got <laughs> dog tags on them. And in this scene, correct me if I'm wrong, Arnie definitely used her as bait to get fireball. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he just disappeared. And like, yeah. He's like, I know what I'll do. I won't tell her what I'm doing. I'll just let her think she can't find me anymore. And that'll lure out the last stalker to come and kill her. Um, and they pretty much annihilate uh, Mr. Fireball uh, with, I don't know, the greatest of ease, I think, to say. They got yeah, him into the, the locker the, room. The ultimate champ, and he's like, my gas line, my gas line. <laughs> and then I said, dead. Boom. <laughs> uh, so that brings Captain Freedom out of retirement. Or not really, because they just kind of fake up a fight between uh, Jesse Ventura and Arnold Schwarzenegger, showing up how small Arnie really is compared to an actual big guy. He was absolutely dwarfed, because obviously it was him in the scene, in the movie it's not him, but in, in the movie, in the filming, it actually was Arnold Schwarzenegger mm. looking about a foot shorter than Jesse Ventura, but they did one hell of a job faking up for the TV cameras here. This technology in 2017 is... Oh, the deep fake is out of this world, by <laughs> <laughs> Which has everybody fooled. The entire world believes it. So then they decide to undo it at the end. Like, the, oh, we're finished doing that now. Let's take Richard's face off of the stunt man again. Which yeah. seems like, why bother? <laughs> like, you've done it now. And then... Oh, so carry on. I was going to say, and, like, if it was that easy, why did they let, like, three stalkers die before they decide this is what we need to do? It should have been plan one, really. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh shit, he's actually killed somebody. Let's just fake him here because the ratings will still get good. Uh, and then we we get to the the good guys coming together to show uh, what really happened with the the Bakersfield massacre, including uh, Amber having the original tape and Arnold ask Arnie asking her, "Where did you hide that?" <laughs> and I was wondering, it's none of your business. Where did she hide the tape? <laughs> That's definitely a vagina tape. <laughs> I, can't. I mean, or I, 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 women, I can't speak for for women, but is that w- what you immediately think? Where I'm going to hide this? When I'm going to be putting a skin tight leotard with the like? Would you not hide it just somewhere in a different room? Like maybe come back to it later? No. How could you run? Would <laughs> <laughs> she not be like running with her legs crossed? That's, and well, like... that's why she was really useless because she had a fucking tape in her vagina all the way through that film. She was even more useless than the rest of them, yeah. It's at this point we get to the ITV2 proceedings of The Running Man. Uh, I think we have got The Running Man to thank for all these after-show things that we get on TV nowadays. So The Running Man finished, Ben Richards was killed, and then the show carries on for some reason. And Killian starts taking phone calls from the public with their opinions on what happened (laughs) in The Running Man. And texting in to donate money for things and all that. Yeah, just to donate to, be... to the stalkers and stuff. Yeah, what a, a <laughs> random way for this 
pretty high action, high octane show to go off the air with people just said phoning in and contacting the show. <laughs> well, they've got I a thought, three hour time slot, so they've got to fill it. So it probably yeah. didn't last three hours. So. Well, that's what I, th- I thought this one might be longer than normal because, as we've talked before, people seem to get killed off pretty quickly in previous shows. So this one, uh, I'm surprised they had time for the phone in. Uh, the good guys then rustled together a, a squad of underground people to uh, essentially I don't know, purge the, the upstairs people in the, the studio. So the underground come up, Arnie gets to lead an army for about the 20th time in his movie career, even <laughs> at this stage. Uh, and they managed to corner Killian next to the go-kart tunnel device. But I've got Sven a quick question. Oh, carry on. Yeah. Where do all the bad guys get their fucking henchmen from because they can't <laughs> shoot for shit. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, oh, it is. They're worse than the tank girl water guys. Oh, God, no, they were bad, yeah. Oh, <laughs> my God. Like, did they just shoot with their eyes closed? <laughs> it irritates me every film. Like, surely one of them could be like, eh, maybe I should get some aiming lessons. But I think this always happens in, like, uh, dystopian, like, futures where people are just like, there's no like crime. There's no like everybody's at peace, so they forget how to use guns and stuff. And then when it all kicks off, they're just like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> I don't actually know what I'm doing here. I just got the job so I can get free food credits or something." Well, that's what I was thinking. Maybe people are like, "You must join our forces, or you will be banished down to blah blah blah." So, oh yeah, I'll join in with you guys. I've no idea what I'm doing, but I'll be part of your army squad. So, yeah, yeah, maybe it's that. Uh, yeah, at this point, Kelly has a final ace up his sleeve. He has Sven, the top security guard guy, who he abused in the only other scene he was really significant in. <laughs> so Sven comes in and has a late attempt at the absolute worst delivered line of the movie, and then turns and leaves poor Killian uh, to Ben Richards. Uh, Sven absolutely stunk up the joint with the one line he has in the entire film. Uh, Arnie, he's the hero that we want him to be, sends Killian down the tube and causes Killian to explode as his little metal cage hits a wooden billboard. <laughs> I'm not sure where the flammable <laughs> items were involved in this scenario. And but, the rocket yeah. went off in the back. <laughs> Is that what it was? It was the rocket. Yeah. Right, okay. Rocket malfunction. Yeah, a big explosion to end, and then an absolute banger of a tune on the end credits, if I say so <laughs> Yeah, myself. I thought I was rocking out for the entire way through, which made meant that I was able to get to the little kind of Easter egg nugget at the end. I don't know if you got that far through the credits where there's a little kind of fake advert for the Running Man TV show kind of thing at the very end. The voiceover dude uh, reads out kind of some kind of half funny little jokey lines about military sponsorship of the Running Man. And that brings us to the end. Unless anyone has anything else they want to add to talking points, anything I've skipped over, any opinions they want uh, to add now? How do you cover the Running Man? That's, that is the Running yep. Man. That's the running man. So on to point number three on the 10-point podcast, the high points. Uh, Since it's my selection, I'll give you my two high points briefly to begin with. Uh, Dynamo's intro, uh, not so much the raping, but more of the coming out singing, all guns blazing, all lights flashing, his little car with his head popping out, Dynamo, my guy, until later on. And then, but that number one nominee for the high points, just Damon Killian, Richard Dawson throughout, sensational bad guy, just blows Arnie off the screen, he's just outacts everybody who's ever in the scene with him. Mr. Richard mm. Dawson, Damon Killian, my nominee. Chris, who have you got as nominees for the high points of the movie? Jesus. <laughs> um, old people swearing. There's an old lady who <laughs> said, kill a motherfucker. I thought, old people swearing is always funny. Always uh, the, 
the music, the end credit music, I said was really good. It was catchy. Um, I'm not joking. I struggle for high points. See. <laughs> 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 Uh, okay, uh, Andy, <laughs> any high points? My high points: the concept of the Running Man. I yes. love it. Yeah. Like, I, I absolutely love. Like, I want that to happen right now. Like, that's where I'm at right now. Oh yeah, yeah. I meant to ask: do you, is this like the original Hunger Games s kind of thing, like Battle Royale thing, where people are, like game show survival? Oh, yeah, thing? yeah, definitely. I would say that's before, probably obviously Hunger Games before... came later, but. Battle Royale, it's before Hunger Games, it's before The Condemned, it's before all these, these are all 2000 and after, so it does come before all of those. So yeah, it's like just well ahead of its time, this. I did see somewhere, I cannot, uh, this is on the internet, so take it as fact if you wish, that there was a, a kind of Asian game show that this was kind of like, so I don't know if Stephen, obviously there wasn't killing involved, so I don't know if uh, Stephen King had seen this game show and designed this on that idea, so it may have been inspired by I think it was a Takeshi's Japanese Castle? game show. It wasn't the <laughs> Castle, unfortunately, although that is a great show. It was uh, something else, so that was the only thing I could find. The internet may be lying to me. That was the only thing that predated this, that was of this type. But yeah, I think it's highly influential from that sort of last man standing kind of movie uh, approach. Uh, any other high points, Andy? No, just that. The <laughs> concept. Uh, are we... Picking a definitive I'll high concede point? to uh, Richard Dawson because Richard Dawson, right? Good because I thought he was great. He absolutely is the glue that holds the film together. I think Richard Dawson. Mm. Uh, it brings us to the low points on point number four here. Uh, Chris, I feel like you've got something to say here. So low points. Do you have any nominees? I've only got like two that really kind of bugged me. The whole Star Trek color thing. Like the people that died were wearing red. The two ah. people that survived were wearing gold. Uh, I like, that very good. Yeah, and also that. in films like why is like side characters never allowed to live? Like <laughs> couldn't the guy who got like a little cut in his stomach couldn't he like survived till later on? But in every I, film it's always the shittest injury people. though. Oh, his little neck. Yeah. Yeah. No, sure like yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> Any other low points? <laughs> uh you know how Arnie's famous for his one liners? Yep. Fuck, there were some bad ones in this film. <laughs> you say I'll bad, I think. <laughs> the whole, wait, one of them was when he kills Sub-Zero. Uh, this is Sub-Zero. <laughs> now, plain Zero. <laughs> yeah, okay. that was a bad I, one. I, I did like it every, every time he killed somebody, he did come up with a bit, like another one-liner. It's like, yeah. yeah. There was uh, another two. Well, he said he's Terminator, I'll be back. I mean, let's keep it to Terminator. You've stepped on uh, stats slightly for I did say that Arnie said the thing as in Arnie said I'll be back in this movie. <laughs> so yeah, I had marked that down in the stats section later on, but he did say I'll be back. The, when he killed um Buzzsaw, he had to split. Fucking Jesus man. Better than that. <laughs> and what was the other one? Um that hit the spot. What was that one? I can't remember who said that. He says that hit the spot. Would Fuck, that be remember. would that be what do you call him? Fireball? I feel like it would be a, a burning pun in there. Yeah. Terrible. Too hot to handle. <laughs> See, that's even better. But there's another one that hit a spot. I'll need to Google what happens for because I can't remember now. But there was some fucking awful one-liners. So you're going for Arnie puns then as your low uh, Arnie point. one-liner. Yeah, there we go. Uh, what about you, Andy? What have you got as low points? I've got two. And the first one is, why does he let Dynamo live? <laughs> like, he kills everybody else. Like, and then... Dynamo just kind of 
crashes his car spectacular and just falls over and goes, oh, I can't get out. And he's like, oh, I'll just let you live. How did that not break his neck anyway? Because his head was popping out. But we yeah. do find out, like, he, like as we've discussed, they don't have to kill the people on the show. No. So maybe that's why, because he's like, all right, you're incapacitated, which find out he actually isn't incapacitated because he comes back later on. And but... also, also, I must admit, I should have put a high point in. Dynamo's outfit was pretty awesome. Like, lights. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so that, that's my low point. It's like, why do you let him live? But then my other low point is the running man concept of the game. <laughs> So it's my high point, but it's also my low point. <laughs> right. The actual idea of the concept is the high point. This would be a good idea. Yeah. And but, it's been oh my practice. God, it was badly executed. It's like, <laughs> right. why is it like in underground LA or wherever it is? Why didn't they just build a set with like booths or something like that? And it's just like, right, you've got a guy in there. You've got to get from that room to that room. Go. Why did they need so many like camera systems? And, and how did they, like, why did they, why did they put cameras next to a top-secret government satellite facility <laughs> and still carry on recording it and not have any of the security team going, shit, they're hacking into my satellite. It's just like the whole concept of The Running Man fell short. Yeah. It's like it was a bad TV show idea. It's like they could just put it in a set. It would have been fine. It would have been, and there would have been less chances of people escaping and just like running yeah. right on and it keeps the action quick as well, so it doesn't have to be a three-hour game show. They could do, they could do like a half an hour kind of, or even an hour long. You have five contestants and do an hour long because nobody's going to survive more than ten minutes. Let's face it. Yeah. And you could be killing off ten people or five people an episode, and it'd be brilliant. That's how I would market this. <laughs> I see. That's a suitable low point. Uh, I've also got two nominees for low points, and my nominees are Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maria Conchita Alonso. For their acting abilities throughout the feature <laughs> film we just watched, for the most part, everyone is actually pretty good around about them. With a couple of exceptions who are great, and a couple of exceptions who are a bit iffy, old Sven. But yeah, mm. just the actual standard of acting of your two main lead stars in a film like this—it's quite clearly these look like the people we want, so we're going to hire them because that's what they look like. And Arnold is a big star off of the back of the the movies he's made, but he doesn't have to do that much acting in. So my two nominees are them. Um, I'm going to hop on with Andy, unless Andy wants to come on the whole Arnold bandwagon and say Arnie is the worst thing about this movie. <laughs> nah, I'm not going to say it's not, not quite the worst right. thing. Okay, then. The actual the operation of the show, uh, I'll agree with, because it confused me okay. during the talking points as well, is, is the low point of the film. Uh, brings us on to point inter- points of interest. Point number five, the trivia section. I've got a few bits, not a hell of a lot of uh, trivia on The Running Man, so I'll run through some bits and bobs I've got. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura both became governors of states after this movie, uh, which I thought was funny. There's two of them. Uh, also, when they're supposed to be these meat-headed action people, they both became governors. Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he ran for office, even named his campaign boss the running man uh, during when he was running to be governor <laughs> of uh, California. <clears throat> the footage that they used of attacking helicopters in this film were taken from the 1976 version of King Kong. I'm a monster movie fan, so I like that one. Um Someone who we've floated over and, and so far is Mick, who is the leader of the underground. Uh, the kind of big, tall, skinny English guy. Oh, yeah. That's that's Mick Fleetwood, who was the drummer from the band Fleetwood Mac. Uh, in the film, he talks about reasons why he's part of the underground, is that they did some various evil things to him, including burning his songs. So it could be that he's actually playing himself in this yeah. film. So Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac might be the leader of the underground in the film. 
Uh, I mentioned him briefly towards the end. The TV voiceover man, the man who does it, it's the running man. He was your host, that guy, is Squidward, apparently. <laughs> what? Apparently, apparently he is Squidward. He does the voice of Squidward. <laughs> so, <Fair enough. laughs> Allegedly, that's what I read in the trivia. So apparently that's that actor also played Squidward. Um, ICS, which is the name of the studios that the film takes place in, is also the name of the company that developed Skynet in Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. <laughs> so Andy loves a crossover universe. This yeah, might be a crossover there. Um, and the final one, as we touched on earlier, the great facial technology that they had to make it look like Arnold Schwarzenegger was actually fighting Jesse Ventura in the film. Uh, it was a real thing that exists uh, nowadays, and it was first used in Jurassic Park which was six years after this was made, when they put on uh, Ariana Richards' face on a stunt double for a whole three seconds in Jurassic Park. So I, I remember that, when she's <laughs> dangling from the roof. Yeah, she's escaping through the roof, yeah, from the... Yeah. From, yeah. So, yeah, so this was, this was six years ahead of the actual technology coming into being used. I, three seconds worth of it in Jurassic Park, but at least it <laughs> did exist. Uh, and that's it. Not much trivia, really. Uh, it pretty much is what it is on the outside, this film. So, Chris, we're on to point number six. That's the goofs. What goofs have you spotted? Well, within the first two minutes, when you know when Richard's in a helicopter, he's describing that there's uh, fifteen hundred unarmed civilians on the ground. All, he says all that information before it pops up on the screen. <laughs> Maybe it's just that good. <laughs> uh, yeah, telepathic or something. I don't know. Um, the needle when he's getting it through his hand, you can see it going inside the syringe. Oh, oh, right, There's okay. a little yellow bit, you can see it sliding in. The more you know. Um, uh, there's another classic visible brake line when Sub-Zero's got to smash the big gong. You can just faintly see it. It's ready to and break. Yeah. Our favourite Sub-Zero guy. Um, this is a good one. He's chasing down the guy with glasses and as he's running towards the camera, you can see like a stage guy's hand popping out to stop him from falling. It's <laughs> not even, even like a hit. You could just see his hand go like that, just <laughs> pop out inside the screen to grab him. But after that, I kind of lost interest. So there might be more. Probably will be you more. Hit, you definitely hit your quota. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, you, you think you think there's more, do you, Chris? Is that what you said? Well, yeah, no, there is one. Like how the it's not really a mistake. It's just not explained how the underground guys got the footage of the dead bodies. Because there was no camera in there, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah loopholes everywhere with some yeah. footage and how cameras were in places. Everyone like, must have their own GoPro. Oh. I like the the chalkboard better, where they actually spelled Sub Zero wrong. Did they? It's called Sub Zero. <laughs> I don't look that closely at the board. I probably should have done like the uh, cabin in the woods. Yeah, I yeah. tried to pause it and it just, it, it, I paused it when it was blank and it was what I've listed earlier on. The <laughs> uh, goof I've got or goof, goofs I've got is. Pretty much any time Arnold Schwarzenegger takes damage in the film, it's gone a couple of scenes later. <laughs> so tears and cuts in his little suit that he has from fights. Yeah, that was quite it, right. I did notice one of those back, but then I kind of forgot to keep a tab in it. Nah, there were, you, so you got, essentially, it was as if you got a wardrobe change every scene he went into. It was like a fresh suit every time. Uh, so I did notice that. So quite a few goofs, not surprising. I think, <laughs> I think the further back we go, the more goofs there are in, in films. I think uh, continuity wasn't quite as... Yeah. Uh, and followed as it is nowadays. 
Brings on to point seven on the Ten Point Podcast. The future uh, would be recast anymore, and would there be a sequel, a series, a reboot? As far as I'm aware, there's not a sequel. Uh, I'm surprised. I thought they might have done a sequel to this, but I know I definitely watch an actual uh, Running Man TV show, and mm-hmm. I think it's probably worth a reboot. But there has been, as we mentioned, a lot of things since. Yeah, so, there's too many new similar things where they've actually yeah. executed the Running Man concept better. Yeah, I think like so. Like Hunger so. Games actually works. Yeah, like, that's a concept. Yeah. Like that's what it really is, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, a reality show. If someone if they brought out the actual The Running Man hosted by Arnold Schwarzenegger, a reality show, I'd watch that. Yeah. Uh, any suggestions? Star on the Rock. Star I was just going to say that. Uh, the notes here. There's a running theme with our podcasts uh, <laughs> that The Rock could star in anything. I said if they did a remake, that he would be perfect for. He would he definitely would be Arnold Schwarzenegger's role. Yeah. With uh, Kevin Hart as his sidekick. He'd definitely be the sidekick that dies <laughs> from a scrape to his knee or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> who, who, who'd you get to be the host? Who'd you get to be Killian? Oh, that's tough, yeah. Steve Harvey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I'm in. I'm watching that. Definitely. Especially if he's evil. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe Tom Hanks, because Tom Hanks, he's a lovable... I don't think he's ever played a bad guy. Imagine him being the bad guy in this. I can see Bradley Walsh. Bradley Walsh, yeah. <laughs> UK version. UK version. I could, yeah, I could see Bradley Walsh being kind of pretty sneaky good at being evil. Yeah, that's a good one. Or the Italian version could be Gino De Campo. <laughs> <laughs> Point eight. <laughs> <laughs> Point eight brings us to the stats. Uh, I've kept track of my usuals. So this film, surprisingly high numbers, I thought. I don't know, it, not, not necessarily hugely through the roof, but uh, nine explosions, which seems low, but in terms of the films we've covered, is actually quite high in terms of the charting. Nine explosions. I counted 35 deaths. However, the internet has a body count of 41. Uh, I did include the 16 that were massacred in the Bakersfield <laughs> massacre as well. Uh, so I don't know if they were counted in, accounted in that as well. So somewhere between 35 and 41 for the body count. 11 swears that I think three quarters of which came in at the last 20 minutes of the film. They just started, like the old woman, as you mentioned, she had a couple of <laughs> F-bombs, I think, in the list. But the swearing just got ramped up right to the end of the film. Everyone just started effing and blinding for no good reason. <clears throat> did they say the thing in this movie? Yes. Yeah, loads of times. <laughs> I think we hit a new, definitely hit a new record that it wasn't someone's name. I think maybe had no more Napoleons and maybe more Blades. But The Running Man, I've got seven times independently, but then at times there were a couple hundred people saying it at the same time. Uh, it may have been the quickest as well, because literally the first thing in the credits is The Running Man, uh, and then four minutes in, someone says The Running Man. So a very... Very high score for Did They Say The Thing. And the other random thing I counted was, how often does The Running Man run in The Running Man? And I've got <laughs> 18 different times did The Running Man run in The Running Man. So 18 runs. Uh, any other stats from anybody else? Well, I've kind of slow one of Andy's ones. It's like the movies within movies thing. Because <laughs> like, like, there's like three different kind of movie things. Like Terminator, he says, I'll be back. Did, uh, yeah. There's a lot of combat with Sub-Zero and the whole Star Trek the uniforms and <laughs> Spock's mentioned. Oh, Spock was mentioned, yeah good point. And the guy seemed to have no idea who Spock was despite the fact this was like, I don't know 20 years after Star Trek would yeah. be really popular. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, technically it was more than that. 
Yeah, but yeah, like Star Trek, when the, the next generation was around, you would know who Spock was. So therefore, yeah. this is 20 years after that. And I suppose the new films have just came out in like 2015-16. Yeah, good point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I keep forgetting it's 2017, it's set in. Yeah. That's uh, what I struggle also, with the most. <laughs> well, it's when they do like in the future, but it's actually in the past. Yeah, we've already passed it. It's past. like a... Yeah. Uh, I've got. A, it's not really a stat. It's a question. You mentioned this film was all about re- well, have loads of wrestlers. I only noticed one, in Jesse Ventura. Uh, well, I say Sub Zero. He was a wrestler as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there was two. Uh, I thought there was uh, more. In all honesty, coming into it, I thought there was more wrestlers. But I, Jesse Ventura, and then Professor Toru Tanaka. He was also a pro wrestler. And uh, he was also uh, been in another film we covered, but I've forgotten which one it was. Uh, Professor Tanaka. I might have a look at that at some point. But yeah, two wrestlers there only were. Uh, unless you uh, had Arnie. Because Arnie once was awarded a WWF title belt. Yeah, so. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. yeah. He then punched Triple H. <laughs> oh, fair enough. <laughs> enough wrestling nerddom. Any stats from you, Andy? No, because this is a weird one. It's kind of got a weird uh-huh. timeline where movies within movies doesn't work. I know Chris tried to fit some in there, but the timelines just don't stick very well. Yeah. Uh, and then any of my other stats, there was, there was no bobbies, so I couldn't count them. <laughs> there, was, there was no titties, so there was none of them. Nope. No bobbies and no boobies. So. Yeah, so <laughs> bobbies. <laughs> so, oh, tough one. And any Wilhelm screams, Chris? I know you've kind of half given uh, up since they stopped happening, but I don't remember hearing them. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no there's no Wilhelms. What was the other one I did last week? Uh, no random camel. You mentioned the Fleetwood guy. Is a yeah, Mike Fleetwood. Thank you. Top cameo will be Mike Fleetwood, I think. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, not a bad one for that. Fucking. Uh, Stats are shit now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need to try and nail down some good ones to settle on uh, going forward. Point number nine on the podcast is the moral of the story. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I struggled a wee bit here to find out what the moral of the story was. Uh, and I came up with, people love people love watching television. That's pretty much, because they were really getting into it watching that TV show. Yeah. Uh, anyone come up with an actual good moral of the story that's either funny or interesting? <laughs> uh, never wear red. Doesn't end well for anyone. <laughs> right, that's a good one. Doesn't end well for Star Wars, Star Trek guys, or the people in this. So don't wear red. Yeah, if you if you're a wanted man, don't go to an airport without a plan. Uh, yeah, it's especially that, that in 2017. Was, <laughs> that was the worst plan I've ever seen. <laughs> as far as plans go, yeah, that could be the low point. The actual plan he had of get of escaping. Uh, that brings us on to point number 10 on the 10-point podcast, the 10-point rating. Uh, it is my selection, so I get to go first. Uh, there's so many bits of this film I like. There's so much I like about it, including kind of some of the, the, the roles and the people who fill the roles, but the acting is pretty horrendous for some people, the main ones. And also the final act is a bit of a kind of a letdown. Like, it's, mm. they didn't really have much of a, anywhere to go. He does get revenge on Killian in the end, but... I still feel like it wasn't a very good ending to the film. So I've gone as high as five points for The Running Man, oh. is what I've given it. Uh, let's go to Andy next. What is your score? Right, this is only getting the score it's getting purely because I absolutely love the concept of this film. <laughs> and it's a three. Oh. Chris, what have you got for us? See, when you mentioned Running Man, I was so excited for this film because I watched it when I was a kid and I, <laughs> I loved it. But like, it's not aged well at all. Like, <laughs> Arnie's cheesy one-liners were shit. Like you mentioned, the acting it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> the indestructible stalkers were shit. It's I can't give it any higher than a three. That's purely because Tank Girl 
I, I liked it more than Tank Girl, but I didn't like it that much. So, saying that, three. Running Man totals 11 points, which means that it does not go above Tank Girl, especially worse than Tank Girl, but it is still better than Doom. Doom is still the worst film we've ever seen uh, ever because it's so bad. Uh, Running Man didn't score especially high. I selected it because I thought we needed some 80s, we needed some action, we needed some Arnie, and it was a fun film. It was a good laugh, but maybe not the best film. Sorry, Speaking Arnie. Of... <laughs> Sorry, Arnie. We'll hit, you, we'll hit a good one of yours at some point, I'm sure. Uh, Andy, lift us out of our little slump. What have you got for us next time? See, I'm properly struggling. I came into this like ready to go, and I was like, right, I know what I'm going to do. But then I suddenly, I suddenly realised that what I pick is going to be like three action films in a row. Ah. So I've had to kind of go sideways a bit and go not pick the one I was going to pick and instead go for going back into 1999. Oh. Which star him is basically the film I'm going to pick is about a teenage slacker who's right hand becomes possessed and goes to murder his intent. So we're going to watch Idle Hands. <laughs> I have definitely never seen this film. Uh, I, I am intrigued. I've once at <laughs> I'm Andy's house. So, yes. Uh, well, out of nowhere, I don't think I ever predicted that this film existed. Never mind when it's predicted that's what you're <laughs> going to pick. So, uh, join us next time on the Ten Point Podcast for Idle Hands. Is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah. Idle Hands. Yeah.